it's hard for me to put somebody ahead of LeBron because LeBron is the best player I've seen in my eyes. Welcome to Triple Zeros. My name is Josh Buckhalter. I'm your host. This is the Anti-Hot Take Sports Show uh, because the game's not over till the clock strikes Triple Zeros. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports website, clockersports.com. Email address, clockersports at gmail.com. And of course, follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at 30spod. That's the number 30 pod. That voice you heard was one Cade Cunningham, the first overall pick to the Detroit Pistons in this past draft uh, in the NBA talking about who his selection is for the GOAT. Now, that's part of a larger discussion, and we'll talk about that in a second, but just know Kay Cunningham has picked LeBron for his GOAT. That was not meant to be as inflammatory as it just sounded. It sounded like I was about to attack him, and I'm really not. So, uh, But keep that under your hat, because we'll come back to that in a second. In the meantime... <laughs> There is a lot of stuff going on, even though there's not a lot going on in either the NBA or the NFL right now. Um, But we do have preseason football, and I just want to talk about some of the things that we've been seeing in in around the NFL. First of all, Urban Meyer, he had the uh, assistant coach that had to be fired before he could actually even really be hired because of some personal stuff that was going on. Um, We had the Tim Tebow thing, and... It's remind it's reminiscent of his time in college where it's kind of seeming like he's just constantly trying to push the envelope. Just constantly see what he could do, trying to skirt the the rules a little bit. Now, I will say this. If as long as you're on this side of it, nobody's gonna ever care. And I think I said a while ago that part of the Tebow thing was a uh um a willful distraction, if you will, from Trevor Lawrence and whatever may come along with his growing pains. Now he's looked great or good, whatever, uh, so far in preseason. We'll talk about why I just switched up from great to good as well in a moment. Um, but Myers tenure is already so, so stressful. It's already so much to go through. And I know that he was going to come in and bring a lot of change. But then you think about what they did in the draft and like all the stuff that's going around. And you got Trevor Lawrence coming in and you just have to hope that he's able to uplift and overcome all the other stuff. Because at some point, whether you think that's a distraction that's helping him or not, at some point, it stops becoming that, or it stops being that, and it starts becoming a hindrance to him and really to the rest of the team because nobody can uh, uh, operate outside of that. You don't want that, and so I just, I just look at you know all the the extracurricular stuff that's not on the field related, and you just kind of wonder um, exactly where that's going to end up. Now, back to this this QB rhetoric that's going around the NFL, and I bring this up because of Justin Fields. Uh, the man completed 77% of his passes. It was like 14 to 20, 100 and some odd yards, a touchdown, whatever. Two touchdowns, I'm sorry, because he threw one and he ran one. Um, and immediately after that happened, all that was being talked about was how, well, he didn't start that way. Um, he didn't do that against the ones. Um, he, he played longer than anybody. He had to get going. And while there is some truth in there, he definitely played longer than a lot of the other guys. The other part is, well, he was playing with backups a lot too. Now he had a lot of starting offensive line, but he wasn't. He was without top weapons, uh, top receiver, top running back. Um, there were missing pieces on the on the offensive line. They're missing th- uh, three fifths of the offensive line. Like I, I, I just didn't understand that. And then 
to top it all off, you see guys, the other rookies around the league, put up lesser numbers in similar situations and receive all the praise in the world. And I just, this is going to sound real Chicago homerish. I don't even care because I'm kind of sick of seeing it over the past few weeks. Happened with the Bulls and the DeMar DeRozan trade. And it's happening now um, with, with Justin Fields and how he was performing in his first NFL, his first NFL action. So we talk about the slow start for him. First three drives with three and outs. Um, and they really struggled. He had a, he had a, a near interception. He had a fumble that almost got taken away, but bad snap calls, whatever. There are going to be growing pains. It's funny because from that point on, he got better. And you would think that they would say, oh, he shook off the early jitters to get, you know, to improve. No, it was immediately, oh, he just did that against backups. Okay, well, they're going to play against Buffalo, who's a legit team. However, as a rookie who hasn't necessarily wrestled away the starting job from his incumbent starter and Andy Dalton, and that's not incumbent because he'd be a first-year guy, but... We'll talk about that in a second, too. Oh, my gosh. Um, it, 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 what, what's he supposed to do? You can only play who's in front of you. And people were overreacting to him saying that the game was slow. I said at the time, I felt like that was more of a, of a talk at Nagy than it was anything. And now you got people saying that he's need to slow his role because he's saying the game was too slow. And, and, and he wasn't that great because this is like, what? Now just go, and I'm not going to bring it up because I don't want to slam. I want all the rookies to succeed. But go ahead and look around the other rookies in the NFL last week and tell me which one stood out statistically and on the field more so than what Fields was doing in his ability to to again. Even if you want to factor in the early rush, the ability to shake that off and proceed to put up a, a really nice day again in your first NFL action, I think should not be overlooked. And I just feel like that's what's been happening a lot. Now I say that to say this. The Bears are definitely not making it easy on themselves. Um, they are in a situation where they haven't put him in the best position to succeed because of the offensive line is not great. He's uh, doing what he can. He had a, a few rough practices this past week, but it's, it's training camp and nobody really cares. I, I'm not going to be a person who's going to sit here and, and parse through every single practice. What I will say is this works out for Matt Nagy in and of he didn't want to start fields anyway. So with the line being banged up, he has a built-in excuse if he needs it to lean on and say, hey, look, I'm just not going to throw the kid out there to the Wolves, Aaron Donald in week one. Just not going to do it. We're just not going to do it. Um, I respect that because, honestly, all the pressure has been, oh, you got to start. You got to start fields if you want to save your job. And he got he got pretty animated in discussing that, you know, we're just not going to do it. I, that, that'd be best for me, and I don't really care about that. That's what I've been saying from the jump, though. Caring about himself for Nagy would be making sure that Fields is successful because he's the caretaker. And as long as he's shown he's not fumbling the bag with Fields, he'll be all right. I even wrote about it for uh, Last Run Pro Football this week, and I, I, I wondered out loud, is there a possibility that we could see? Is something that was talked about last offseason, actually. What are, the, what are the chances that we see a Matt Nagy-led Bears franchise in terms of he's already been supposedly, or uh, I'll say supposedly, by all accounts, he's operating as the de facto GM. Pace is the is the vice president of football operations, even though they operate with uh, GM and football and head coach titles. So, is it possible that we see Nagy actually assume that role in in full title and all and get full control? I can't even think of the last time the Bears let somebody do that. I don't know. If I, I that has to if, the, if ever um, probably Ditka. But I, I can't imagine that they would do that. Uh, I, I just can't see that happening. 
or I'm sorry, I, I couldn't see that happening with anybody else. I, I could see there being a case with Nagy because he's the one with the track record, right? We could talk about how here it's been up and down, hit or miss, but for Pace, with the Devin Jenkins injury, he's going for surgery and he's out indefinitely. Who knows when he'll be back? Now, there is a good chance he'll be back and be in full form, but you took another injured player who was supposed to be your starting left tackle, you cut your depth in Charles Leno or the guy who could start in front of him until you figured out if Jenkins could actually play left tackle because he was, by most people, uh, going to play right tackle in the NFL. Now you're down. You've, you've signed Robert Quinn, who was dealing with the back injury last year, is dealing with injuries this year, even though he played well in game one. We'll see what he does in game two. You drafted Kevin White. That's not all on you. I'm not going to put that all on you. You drafted Mitch Trubisky. That's all on you. Putting that all on you. Um, your track record, if your pace is not great. Those mid to late round guys, those studs, those gems that you found, they were because they were injured. And those guys are great. This is what I said in the article. Those guys are great on on their rookie deals. When you're getting them for the cheap and they're making those splash plays, man. Yeah, they're booming around. They're great. But when you got to pay them and you start seeing some of the flaws. Because when guys get paid, they get criticized a little bit differently. And so those those lower cheap, lower round cheap uh, uh, high performing players getting paid are now getting criticized. They're not playing as well because they're not getting loved. On it, just that's it's a it's a domino effect. And I could see because of not just the picking of an injured player, but then not supplementing the rest of your depth chart with with viable bodies. Elijah Wilkins, Wilkinson is a guy, right? Um, they got Larry Bohr with fifth round pick is going to be competing for left tackle. They just brought in 39 year old Jason Peters. Now Peters and Bohr could actually form a nice little duel. And I wouldn't mind that and having Wilkinson be the swing guy until Jenkins gets back up in here, but it's just too much at a certain point. It becomes too much to keep banking on hitting on guys, you know, recovering from these injuries that have apparently been a hindrance to them. Jalen Johnson, their number one cornerback. Dealt with shoulder injuries in college. Had a shoulder injury last year. Now he's going to be their number one cornerback. You just wonder sometimes, and this, like I said, it's going to be a heavy Chicago episode, so be ready. It's not, there's no games going on. I don't got much to talk about. Some other news and notes, but we're going to have, we hitting Chicago bias today, baby. Um, you just, you just want to see better value than what you're getting. You're getting excited because you're getting value in the late rounds, but then again, once they get paid, they're no longer that value. It's kind of like the Russell Wilson contract. For the longest time, he was the greatest value in the, in the NFL because he was outperforming whatever they were paying him. Then he got paid, and the defense started getting older, and they couldn't really replenish it, and they didn't do the line right, and they weren't putting the weapons around for a while there, and you saw what happened. Same thing with the Bears and their defense. You you paid a lot for defensive guys. One thing that's become a more common notion that's that's funny as as Bear fans kind of I don't want to say cling but kind of hold on to that that last gasp of being a defensive stalwart team is that hey you know we uh we can or that defense is more of a fluctuation than offense from year to year. You can control what happens offensively. Defense is more of a happenstance type of deal and. With that being, uh, again, a more widely accepted thought process, I just don't understand how there's still teams that are trying to build themselves defense first. I know there's our coaches who are thinking that way, but as, a, as an owner, even if I had a weak defense, I would just want to be able to pair a really good defensive coordinator, uh, even if it's up-and-comer, with my offensive-minded head coach because that's what's going to pay the bills. That's what's going to get you the points and, and win you the ring. That's just what it is because the way the, the, way the rules are set up, it favors the offense. So it would behoove you to actually go ahead and, you know, focus on that. But we're, we're down a winding road here. Um, and 
other news, the Giants got into another fight this week with uh, who were they practicing against? It was Joe Judge's team against the Browns. The Browns and the Giants got into a fight, and there's the pictures of Sterling Sterling Shepard and I want to say Troy Hill uh, throwing punch. Troy Hill's throwing a punch. Sterling Shepard is ducking, and I want to say Sterling looked cold ducking because he ducking them all hardcore, but. He's not looking, so it doesn't look as cool as it possibly could if he was giving him the whole, e-, you know what I'm saying, the face. <laughs> you can't see. Anyway, um, it just didn't, it, it, it's wild. And I just can't help but think, okay, Joe Judge, I get it. You like a feisty bunch, but at what point is it just stupid, right? At what point are you just like, all right, what, what are you doing? Now, training camp fights are not uncommon, and I'm not going to say this one is special, but this is their second kind of brawl that they're having, and he's had to send guys home and then talked about it turning them on, like, what are you doing? Like, it feels like a a very uh, a very frat house type of deal, kind of like where what Patricia or maybe a blend of Patricia and and Campbell was a little bit over the top with the rhetoric and a little bit like extra with the way he kind of runs things. But if it gets them success, ultimately that's all that's going to matter. I just like you have to wonder. This is they're, they're just boxing. Y'all just out here boxing. That's how y'all get down. Gonna be a tough team, I guess. That's what they say, right? That's how they make it all sound better. It's going to be a tougher team. Uh, so as we talk about before we switch gears, we have to talk about the expectations for week two. Um, oh, before I do that, though, the Jets lost big name free agent Carl Lawson. And and um, one thing I could think about that is there's, there's, this happens every year. Somebody gets paid and they go down. And unfortunately, it's for rookie head coach Robert Sala. And I like him and I hope he does well. But this is... Bringing it back to pace. Uh, Pernell McPhee, you know, with, with Baltimore, even though Lawson's been a solid, solid player for a while now. This is one of those deals where the NFL, because Lawson's losing a year of his career, um, they're going to try to get that money back. You know how that all goes. It's just unfortunate that he could lose that. The Bills are, are not the Bills, the Jets are now strapped. Did I say the Bills at first? I meant the Jets. Jets lost Carl Lawson. They lost two guys, and I can't remember the other guy right now, I, but that's a tough blow so early in the season. And for a team that's going to be built around his defense, despite having a rookie quarterback that they hope is a stud in Zach Wilson, you need the guys who can get pressure, and the Jets just could not do it. And so losing Carl Lawson is a big blow um, financially because there's not much you can do to replace him at this point, especially with uh, being late in the season, or in the offseason, season starting. We're, we're about to be in the season. Um, it's just, it's rough, man. It's a tough blow. Tough blow. And before I get off the Bears, there was some conversation, because like I said, the Bears played the Bills, with Mitchell Trubisky coming into town, and what he said about facing the Bears. And there was a long clip, and I tried to find the whole clip, but I had to go live, and I, I, I'm not going to, you know, waste too much time on it. But I'll say this, the clip or the, the quotes read far worse than the clip sounds in terms of him uh, directing what he was saying at the Bears. I don't think it was that at all uh, saying that he was just happy to be somewhere where people want you and happy about, about your development. Now the second part where he talked about people being happy about your development as a person, that might be a shot at the Bears and Matt Nagy. But as far as where he's wanted, that sounded more like a reflection on the fact that his free agency process did not go the way he planned, which he said flat out. So I'm not going to hold that one against him. I just, you know, the quotes, because I, I myself got got by the quote. That one, though, when I, when I heard him say, I was like, okay, well, he sounds much more self-reflective than he does uh, attacking and in, in, in reading it in print. So um, 
That being said, I hope that Bears crush him this weekend because we don't need no, we don't need none of that noise. I don't. I, what I don't want is for him to play well and the truth is go. We should have just kept Mitch and and we could have built the offensive line. Justin's gonna be our but. Stop it, stop it. You sound like those people, the ones who were saying that Justin was he didn't do it against the firsts. He didn't do it against the ones as a rookie in his first game, so it doesn't count. Doesn't that's not good enough. That's not good enough. I, I hate that. We're not gonna do that. So switching gears. The uh, NBA is in its quiet time, man. Kings won the Summer League title uh, behind Devion Mitchell, Mr. Off Night himself. And I wrote about for Soaring Down South that Sharif Cooper and Jalen Johnson, I've been writing about them all offseason. They've been studs. Sharif Cooper didn't make an uh, awesome league team. Jalen Johnson did 20 and 10, uh, first teamer. Sharif Cooper missed out, but I do think that he would have beat out Peyton Pritchard. Despite Peyton Pritchard playing for the final, for the Summer League title, I think that. Cooper would have had a shot at making that shot at that making that list over him or over uh I forget who with the backup. There was a third guard in that group. I just don't know what it is that that got AJ Lawson signed to this to the to the Hawks. It's a training camp deal, so it doesn't mean much. And I'll probably cut this out later because this is not really, you know, it, it's not pertinent per se, but there were some other intriguing options that I thought they could have brought in. And I'll, I'll leave them at that because I don't wish ill. Again, young guys all deserve their shot. So if Lawson goes out there in summer camp and training camp and shows people something, then so be it. I just, I just, that was a surprise for me. That one surprised me. Um, Moving on. <laughs> the schedule came out on Friday. We got a little bit, a teaser from the uh, for opening day in the Christmas list. We got the, uh, Mavs and the Hawks on the opener. And then on Christmas, you're going to get, uh, I'm sorry, you have, yeah, I was right about that. Dang it. On the opening week, sorry, you have the uh, Mavs at the Hawks, but the opener, you have Bucks, Nets, and Lakers, Warriors. Now, this is going to be great because everybody should be healthy and it's going to be the first game of the year. So I cannot wait for the overreactions to come about how, you know, Steph Curry and Clay is back. Oh, I hope Clay is good this year. Um, LeBron and, and them are washed. Which, by the way, can we talk about LeBron? Uh, I'm going to talk about LeBron getting worked up about that uh, poll where nobody voted for him for, for, as the best player. Let's let's clear some things about clear some things up about this. Right? Let's clear the air here. Uh, this was a ten person panel of scouts and executives, not players. And rando scouts. We don't even know what level of executive. Okay, this could have been like a senior parking attendant. We don't know. Okay, these scouts could have all been dudes that tried to drive them and missed out. We don't know. It's random, but it's only 10. 10. So even if they were from a different team in the league, each one, it's a third of the league. Two thirds would probably disagree with them still or, or enough of them to make it even close enough that you wouldn't care. You shouldn't care. Um, on top of that, not only were, were there just 10 people, but out of the winners who were Kevin Durant and Giannis Antetokounmpo, I think it was the other way around, though. Out of those two, the only other person whose name was even mentioned was LeBron's. So at worst, I'm assuming if they were ranking them, that they would have him at third. At worst. So at 36, you were top three in the league, but you didn't get the single one vote because the headline got him. I'm, I just think the headline got him on this one. And now he's back with the Watch King hashtag. You can't do it three years in a row. 
<laughs> you need a new hashtag. Just get a new hashtag. That's all. Because it just you just you're just beating a dead horse for nothing. First of all, nobody's calling you washed, right? They're 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 trying to assess your age and how you guys have finished with injuries and things of that nature. But more importantly, you're 36. You're 36, but you're not washed. And at worst, you were third on a list created by 10 people. 10. I've real I've written whole articles about uh, uh, rankings. From less people. So I understand that. And I know athletes are going to find motivation in, in wherever they possibly can. But damn it, man. <laughs> if I got to go through another year of seeing Washed King when no one said it but but he himself. I just I just can't. I can't. I love it. I love the pettiness of, of finding some 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 uh, some slight in that. It's great. It's great. Oh, it's good stuff. So back to it, though. Um, first stuff and Clay is something I'm looking forward to. And then before that, though, we get that Bucks and Nets game. And I want to see if Katie's big ass foot gets in the way again, because as Katie put it himself, he saw how close he was to ending the Bucks season, playing for an NBA finals, another NBA finals uh, champion, an NBA championship. And so I have a feeling they're going to be going out there to send a message. Uh, Katie just got paid. We hear Kyrie and and, and uh, Harden are looking to get paid as well. Kyrie kind of surprises me, but hey, that's his Katie's boy, so you're gonna pay him. And then, like I said, on opening week, you got um, the Mavericks at the Hawks. That's gonna be exciting because you know those two picks. Um, uh, you might have heard about them, Luka Doncic and Trey Young, are gonna be compared to each other for forever. But right now, Luka's got the advantage. Trey though has gone deeper, head to head, individually. Because the real advantage, in my eyes, is always the team value aspect of it. And Trey's taking his team further. That's a win. Um, but I do think that the this year is going to be very pivotal in that long-term discussion. Because for all of the individual accolades, the failures in the team aspect are going to start to fall onto Doncic's shoulders. It's odd that they haven't already, more so. Because they definitely were falling on Trey Young's. I'm actually writing a piece right now where, in reaction to um, a writer who gave from CBS gave Trey an apology of sorts because he said that what he said about him was not incorrect, but uh, improperly context and in, in put in the improper context. I would say that the whole problem is the context. So your apology could have just been saved if you're not going to apologize putting it in the and just putting it out there because it's not. People wanting you to apologize. Ah, nobody wants you to apologize. Nobody cared. <laughs> you said it. It's fine. Um, and honestly, it's it's fun to have these kind of um, these kind of reflectionary pieces. It's a mea culpa, a, a freezing cold takes of his own doing. It was pretty fun. But I just that long term is going to have to start coming a little bit more into focus when you start talking about Luca and Trey because one guy has shown to be able to adapt his game to help his teammates uplift themselves, and the other guy is still playing the same kind of ball. Now, it worked internationally to a point, but it got him shortchanged there, too. So we'll see. He was the only guy on that team, though, so we won't hold that one. We'll see. I'm just saying. Christmas Day, you get the uh, Hawks at the Knicks. That's going to be a good game because Trey put the lights out on Madison Square Garden last season in the playoffs, and uh, we'll look to do it again on Christmas, make it a sad, sad Christmas. Now, Christmas is interesting because you also get a rematch of um, – I'm not rematch because it was – Lakers and the uh, Warriors on opening. So you get Nets Lakers on Christmas and you get Warriors at the Suns. 
that was going to be interesting, Warriors Suns, but I'm really looking forward to that Lakers Nets because that could be a finals preview if everything goes according to plan. Um, you also get Bucks Celtics and you get Jazz Mavericks. That Jazz Mavericks game is weak as hell. Like, let's just call it what it is. I don't, for all the excitement Luca brings, Gobert is like the anti exciting player. So, like, you could have kept that one for, for all I care. That's, I, you could have kept that. Ah, that's all I'm saying. Now, before the show, uh, you heard that clip from Cade Cunningham talking about who his GOAT was. That was part of a larger conversation, and he really explained himself very eloquently, uh, talking about how why he picks LeBron to be his GOAT over Michael Jordan. Uh, but it got ran with, and I'll just say this. We'll say this after the clip. Here's the full clip, so you can hear the entire context. Who would you look up to most on the court growing up? Uh, Dirk Nowitzki was my favorite player growing up, for sure. Um, the Mavs was my hometown team, so... He won a championship for us, and, and I mean, just throughout his career, he was the real deal. So definitely, Dirk was my favorite player growing up. So I'll give you a little background on uh, myself. I, you know, I grew up in Chicago, Cade. So I was 11 years old when 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 MJ was a rookie. So I'm a huge Jordan guy. You, oh, really? Yeah. So I mean, just you know, I, I'm not. I mean, I think I'm of course right, but I have major biases here on on MJ being the <laughs> the greatest of all time. But for you know somebody like yourself and your your age, like you guys grew up and it was LeBron. So when people right, exactly. so right, so when people ask you like greatest of all time, are you are you going to say LeBron because that's who you saw? Right. That's that's what I always say. I always say you know I I've been able to see LeBron. I was never able to be around and and see full games and know all the storylines going into games and things like that with Michael Jordan. So it's hard for me to put somebody ahead of LeBron because LeBron is the best player I've seen in my eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's painful for me, but I, I get how time goes on, and, and, <laughs> and, and that's just the way it is. It was a lot of fun, Kate. I'm not mad at you, though. You, you know what I'm saying? You're a Bulls fan. You've seen all that. So <laughs> trust me, I've seen all the Michael Jordan stuff. Like, I mean, dude is different. I'm already knowing So. I, I I can't argue with the fact that that you think he's the goat, but in my eyes, I said I said LeBron. Few things there. First of all, that comes first, uh, courtesy of Mark Harmon and Fanside. It's the Windy City podcast. Um, few things. First of all, Kay Cunningham is nineteen, born in two thousand and one. LeBron is all he knows. He don't even know Jordan. Like he. he Jordan was out in 2003, I think was his last season. DK doesn't know him, okay? Uh, he knows LeBron. So it makes perfect sense that he would think LeBron is the GOAT. Uh, on top of that, though, and this is my this is my deep-rooted conspiracy tinfoil hat theory. Cade Cunningham plays for the Detroit Pistons. Ain't no way in hell you can go into Detroit talk about Michael Jordan is the GOAT. Now, I hear you already. I can already tell you. I can hear people saying, well, wait a minute. Now, he can't say LeBron is the GOAT neither. I'll say this. The, the 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 Pistons, not bad boy Pistons, but the, the big shot, Mr. Big Shot Pistons, the Tayshaun Prince, Rip Hamilton, those guys won a ring before LeBron got to the promised land. But in that time frame, it kind of softens that blow. And for all the beating on Michael that, that Isaiah and them did before Michael got to his, we know how that whole thing ended. And that's the part where I think the bitterness comes from. So my tinfoil hat, Chicago Central Conspiracy Theory is... That Cade said that because he is 19, young and dumb. Just kidding. But mostly because he is a Pistons player and cannot be in the D talking about MJ is the GOAT. 
Speaking of the Bulls, uh, one more quick note about the the Rosen trade. I had to get to this. I was going to do it last week, but I'm glad I waited because now I have even more ammunition to use for the article that I'm going to write for Pimpin' Easy about why the DeMar DeRozan trade is going to work out. Financially, even if it's not this year, financially it's not as bad as you think it is. Um, offensively, the fit's going to be great, and I think that we've already seen what, what the culture change has gotten us uh, so far. So with those things in mind, I'm going to say this will be uh, – one of these pieces where I really hope people look into it more for not trying to prove them wrong or say that I'm right here, but more or less, let's see why it will work as opposed to only talking about why it won't. Cause I've heard about him being expensive. I heard about him not playing uh, great defense. I've heard about him not shooting the three, but I can tell you reasons why all three of those things won't be the biggest issue that you think they will be. So uh, that being said, that's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Joshy Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports, website, clockersports.com. Email the address, clockersports at gmail.com. And of course, you can always follow the show at Three Zeros Pod on Facebook and Twitter. That's at the number three zeros and pod. And of course, read the stuff. Last word in pro football, pivotingeasy.com. Soaring down south, and I promise you, I'm going to get back to my Clocker Sports writing as well sometime soon. But you know how it goes. Boy, I've been a little bit busy on the backside. So until the very next time. Hey.